0: building your multi-million dollar practice, and today we're going to start discussing fiscal management, what it is, and how it impacts your advisory services. Peter Bestness here with Prophecy. Today I want to start uh, uh, part one of a four-part series on what really is fiscal management. Uh, as we work with a lot of uh, accounting firms and bookkeepers, and we go to a variety of trade shows, we really have the uh, opportunity to visit with a lot of people. And there's a, there's a common understanding that uh, both bookkeeping and accounting need to move towards value-added services. Now, the question is, well, what are value-added services? I, I know with the hundreds and hundreds of uh, applications that can be attached, Uh, to products like Xero or QuickBooks or uh, Sage, uh, MYOB. There's all kinds of applications that can get added on and your your business kinds of course expect you to know everything about which ones they should use and which they do, but you're not really providing a value-added service on that. So the issue then becomes what is the value-added service? And I think it's understood in many places that it's fiscal management, which is something different than tax audit and compliance. So this raises a question, well what is fiscal management? And so this series, this four part series, is really just a chat about what is fiscal management and how can I make that part of what we're doing. So today what I want to talk about is really the fundamentals, the basics. What is it that a business can really do? Now, a lot of us will say, well, you know, I've got restaurants that are my clients. Wait, well, they they serve food. Or I have a tool and die shop. They do custom work in uh, metals uh, for creating components for uh, manufacturing products. Or they might say, you know, uh, it's a a general contractor. They build residential buildings. Or it's a commercial contractor. They build commercial buildings. Or it's um, an energy company. There are all kinds of things that we think of as what is it that a business can do, and we tend to think of it in this sector that they serve in. And in fact, we have to get much more fundamental than that. The objective of a business is to engage in trade, and the underlying premise of trade is that I have something of value that you need, or that you want, or that you'd like to have. And so what we do is we engage in a trade where you offer me either money or goods and services in exchange for what I'm offering you, which might be money, goods and services, uh, any number of things. So the underlying premise of a business is trade. Now, if you're going to be looking at trade, What you really need to understand is we're trying to leverage our assets, the assets of the company, to do a rate of return through the trading. So in other words, I might have the best widget on the planet, and we might make the best widget on the planet, and we might have a lot of demand for the best widget on the planet, but our cost of building the widget is higher than what the market is willing to pay for the widget. Well, obviously that's not going to work too well and we'd lose money. Or maybe we can sell the widget for a little bit of a profit and we might say well uh, yeah we might be only making a penny on a thousand dollars but we'll make it up in volume. We all know that doesn't work any more than saying I'm losing a penny on a dollar and I'll make it up in volume. So the key to a trade is how do we engage in a trade with another entity and have it create a rate of return. Now, a lot of things can make the rate of return happen. Some of it is price, but the marketplace is efficient. And if you are making a ton of money, other people will come and compete with you, right? And then there's, there either can be a reduction uh, in the pricing or maybe the market demand is so high that that exclusive restaurant for getting French food in Sydney, Australia, really they don't have a competitor. Or if they do, then many people will go to the two or three restaurants. That's one way of looking at the trade. But there's another piece that says, if the market itself is creating the value of the trade, what else can I do to make a good rate of return? This touches on a lot of other aspects. How efficient are we? How many people do we need to make this happen? Uh, Can we improve the uh, creative or manufacturing process? Can I buy more equipment? Will that help? Can I improve my technology to build efficiency? The point is that if really what fundamentally a company can do is leverage its assets to create a rate of return, fiscal management fundamentally is learning how to improve that rate of return through the trading the underlying most important part of it is that it is always future-driven. And this is the big change for the accounting industry. Historically, we tend to look at reports that are, his, that are historical in nature. They are uh, last month's p and last month's balance sheet, uh, and we had to wait for the banking to reconcile. So it's actually two weeks into the next month. And we tend to look at that and we get a really good picture of what was going on some time ago. But with the advent of cloud-based technology, we have access to real-time information. Well that's wonderful, now I can know what's happening literally to the moment I post anything in the transactional activity. But that still is not fiscal management. Fiscal management is looking towards fundamentally what is a company doing in trade. How do we improve its rate of return on the trade? That's future driven. And in order to enter into providing fiscal management services, you have to refocus towards the future. And that's part one. Hope you had a good time. Again, Peter Vesnes with prophecy Look forward to uh, having you listen in on fiscal management part two.